without being conservative, I'm still aware that it's a long day. And my mantra for the race was be patient. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about it on the, on the bike, even though I was racing, I was still thinking like when Cody Bills passed me on, on the bike on, the, on La Conception, which is a, one of the ill of the race, I knew that I had these specific watts that I couldn't push higher. Like every time I w- was pushing higher on the, on the hills, I was burning like matches. So I knew that maybe like before, like a few years ago, I would have gone with him and probably burned to a few too many matches and burned on the run like I did last year. So I was racing, but I was being maybe more aware of the fight that it's Ironman. And uh, I have a lot more respect for the race since the, the race I had last year. Like I wasn't able to finish. And after the race, I was super emotional. Like I saw all the finishers and I was staying until until midnight to see the last finisher. And it was super, I was sad, sad at a DNF. Like, so one of the goal was this, was to finish like no matter what I wanted to finish so that's why I said be patient but do your race and have fun because you, you need to have fun you need to race and you need to to go all in and if I need to walk the last 10k I'm gonna walk the last 10k because I want to be an Ironman I don't want to be left like last year all winter thinking about why did I blow out on the run and collapse like don't make the same mistakes again That was Antoine Jolico de Roche, and you are tuning into episode 121 of the Yogi Triathlete podcast. Hey, hey, YT community, welcome back. I'm Jess, and for the second week in a row, I'm not really your host. That's right, BJ is behind the controls again this week, bringing us another installment of the YTP post Ironman Mont Tremblant, where, by the way, he ended up three spots and seven minutes away from reaching his Kona goal. He is so freaking close. And Ironman Santa Rosa 2019 is where it's going down. So if you're planning on doing that race, definitely let us know. And if you're already signed up, but you're freaking out, then just join Team Yogi Triathlete and we'll be right by your side the entire way. Coach BJ knows this course extremely well. And well, our team is just a high vibing tribe of athletes that have grown into a family. And actually, Ironman Santa Rosa is one of our team events. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, the awake and ready level, right? Let's not pretend that we only train the body here. Then shoot us an email and let's get the convo started. We would love to have you. I have to say BJ rocks this interview with Antoine. I really loved listening to it, but it seems like they had a little mic issue. We just got these new travel mics. Sound quality is still pretty darn awesome and you'll see, it's perfect. So if you followed coverage for Ironman Mont-Tremblant, then you know that Antoine crushed the swim in 50-10, took the lead on the bike. With the likes of Lionel Sanders and Matt Russell on the hunt, this guy was biking hard from the get-go. And I am going to leave it there because Antoine and BJ dive into his epic day in detail, which he wasn't even sure that he would be on the start line for just days before. Antoine definitely has a yogi side to him, and I know he's been meditating and practicing present moment awareness. One of my favorite studies to quote is from 1999, where it was concluded that present moment awareness is the essence of the psychology of peak performance in sport. 
We heard it last week from age group dominator Mary Knott, who I've had the pleasure of working with one-on-one this year, and it's really the missing piece for so many athletes and for so many training regimens that are out there. Antoine is cued in, and he is working on his attention to now. He is a vegan professional triathlete with a goal to win an Ironman while promoting a healthy and compassionate lifestyle. At just 24 years old, he's off to a strong start to his professional career, and he believes that eating a plant-based diet has helped him train and race at the highest level. We met Antoine through Instagram, and we were honored to be on his podcast, the JD Podcast, earlier this year. If you haven't checked it out, there's a link to it in the show notes for this episode, and we go deep. It's definitely one of my favorite interviews with us on the receiving end of the questions. So that's it, peeps. Let's dive into another Ironman Smackdown of sorts with vegan professional triathlete Antoine Jolicoeur de Roche. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and congratulations. Amazing, amazing effort yesterday. Fourth place? Yeah, that was insane. I, like, I didn't think it was possible. Like compared to last year, this the field this year was super stacked. So I didn't even think about like placing or anything. I was just thinking about one finishing, but also just doing my my own race. So to be in fourth was just like out of the moon. Yeah. Why don't you? So why weren't you thinking you could? Like what was what was pulling you away from achieving this goal? Like did you have thought? Did you have thoughts that you could win? Uh, to be honest, I was only thinking about wanting to do the swim on the bike and on the run and I could be 10th or I could be second like it wouldn't matter I would be happy with my race so when my coach was actually thinking up that 8.45 would be a great time but at 8.40 like my coach was like 8.45 would be great but in my mind I was like well 8.40 would be better <laughs> so so when I saw I didn't know my time when I crossed the line so I saw it was 8.28 so I was like wow because the last few Ks on the run was so painful. I thought that my time was going to be super slow. So I was pretty, pretty surprised to see, to see the time, yeah. Do you have a watch? Were you checking, checking time or? Uh, I only used the watch for the run. Yeah. And I didn't even check it on the, on the bike because actually I was always uh, stopping and restarting because when I was putting my Gatorade bottle on my, on my GPS, it was always touching the stop button. So then I just stopped looking at my time. And on the run, I started looking at my time for the first, like, maybe 20, 30K. But then when I started fading, I was like, okay, no, I don't care about the time anymore. So I didn't look at it. So I, I thought my running time was going to be super slow. And what then did, I look, I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah. What, did you ever, what did you end up doing on the run? I did 258, which was the goal I wanted to do under three. And that's my first marathon ever. Like, I never did a marathon outside of Ironman. Inside of triathlon, so it's my like longest run ever. Have you? Even, is that your first Ironman? It's my first Ironman and first marathon and like first. Lot of oh my god! <laughs> so you and Cody are in uh, company because he it was his first. But actually, Ironman. It was, like, it's my first one that I finished last year. I did it. Yeah. And I completely like I went up in the the med tent. I was completely okay. like almost like unconscious. So that was my revenge on the distance. Wow. So your first Ironman, first completed Ironman, yeah. you ran a 258, you swam a 50, right? 50 minutes? Yeah, 50, 10, yeah. Yeah, first out of the water with Lauren Brandon on your tail. 
<laughs> and then would you bike? Uh, bike was 434, 435. And that's, is that pretty typical uh, for your time? The goal was to do 445. So like my coach, uh, I have a new coach since last year and he's a lot more like maybe scientific. So we like calculate everything. So, so I weighed myself on my bike and all my, I was like in my bathroom with my bike, my my uh, my helmet, my shoes to weight my myself with all my gels on my bike to know what's, what was my weight with the bike and all my equipment and like with the the width of my tires and everything just to know and to calculate how much uh, watts I need to push to do a 445. So the goal was 445. I think the, I needed to do 260 normalized power and I think 440 would be like 250 maybe. But then I started, and it was like, you need to really be, be patient on the bike. Don't go too fast. But then as I started, I was like, okay, I'm way too fast already, but I feel really good. So I'm, I'm not gonna listen to what he said. I'm, I'm gonna continue to, to, go, to go fast. And actually was able to keep up my, my watts for, for the bike, which was surprising. Cause in my mind, I was like, maybe, maybe it's a bad idea. I should listen and uh, go slower, but. So where does that come from? So you have a coach, right? You have yeah. a coach and you have experience in triathlon. How many yeah. years have you been racing triathlon? Maybe eight, nine years. Okay. Yeah. So you have these two, like you've got experience, you've got a new coach, you've got experience racing. How do you draw within, right? How do you know? You have the moments of doubt. You're like, maybe I'm going too hard. I need to chill. But then you, you, you flip the switch and you're like, I need to go because I, I'm, I'm feeling it in the moment. Like, how do you make that? How do you make that determination? And then is there... That's question one. And is there a constant battle of like, oh my God, did I do the right thing? Did I, did I not do the right thing? Or do you just make the decision and go all in? Yeah, actually like the, the day before the race, I was talking to my, to my coach on the, on the phone and he wanted me to take it a bit easier on the, on the swim. But my strength in the swim and I, I just like to, to swim fast and that's swimming, swimming is like what I pretty much like the most. Like I just like swimming. And for me to, to go slow on the swim, to conserve energy on the for the rest of the triathlon I feel like it's not me I want to go as fast as possible so and there's like saying it's like you you need to train your your weakness but you race with your with your strength and that's what like Lauren Brennan does like she swim as fast as possible because she knows that's when she can take time out of, out of her competitors and for me just racing at home like when I went out of the water and I saw all the people the spectators that just like some extra motiv motivation so it's like if I'm alone, out of the swim like that, the spectators are gonna be crazy. So it's, mentally it's a lot better. Maybe like physically it's not the best situation. Like maybe I'm, it's better to conserve energy on the swim and on the bike to be able to, to run a fast marathon. But sometimes like, even it's the best decision physically, sometimes you race with your art at the same time. If you're, if I'm not uh, stoked about the race, like, oh, okay, I'm gonna take it easy on the swim take it super easy on the bike and so that maybe I can run a fast marathon. It's, it's not like, there's nothing exciting about that. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go fast on the swim, try to go fast on the bike and try to go fast on the run. That's, that's the triathlon, like it's racing, so. That's racing, yeah. right? That is truly racing. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, get into this safe zone where you're like, I've done the fitness, yeah. uh, this is a big event, I've invested a lot, you know, my family's behind me, whatever the circumstances and you, you play it safe. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, these are the paces I need to hit. But what I like is you, you continually tap into like what you're feeling on the swim. Yeah. 
then you tap into what you're feeling on the bike. Like going to the future is not going to do you any good. Yeah. Like you're just going to be obsessed with that when you're doing the other previous yeah. two activities. I think what I tried to do is that maybe last year I was trying to remove on my mind that I still have a marathon to do. But now I think I was a bit smarter. So I wasn't thinking about a marathon, but I was aware that I still had to run 42 kilometers. So there's that. So I'm not doing a bike. I'm not thinking about that, the fight I need to run, but I'm still aware of it. So, you know, I'm, I still know that I need to do that, but I'm not thinking about like I'm thinking about the fact that I need to swim right now or I need to bike right now I'm not thinking the fact that I need still need to do 42 kilometers but I'm still more maybe without being conservative I'm still aware that it's a long day and my mantra for the race was be patient so mm-hmm. I was thinking about it on the, on the bike even though I was racing I was still thinking like when Cody Bills passed me on, on the bike on, the, on La Conception which is a, one of the ill of the race I knew that I had these specific watts that I couldn't push higher. Like every time I w- was pushing higher on the on the hills, I was burning like matches. So I knew that maybe like before, like a few years ago, I would have gone with him and probably burned to a few too many matches and burned on the run like I did last year. So I was racing, but I was being maybe more aware of the fight that it's Ironman and. Uh, I have a lot more respect for the race since the, the race I had last year. Like I wasn't able to finish and after the race I was super emotional. Like I saw all the finishers and I was staying until until midnight to see the last finisher. And it was super I was sad sad that I DNF like so one of the goals was was to finish. Like no matter what, I wanted to finish. So that's why I said be patient but do your race and have fun because you, you need to have fun. You need to race and you need to, to go all in. And if I need to walk the last 10K, I'm going to walk the last 10K because I want to be an Ironman. I don't want to be left like last year all winter thinking about why did I blow out on the run and collapse? Like, don't make the same mistakes again. Yeah. So what was, what was it like being out there with Lionel and Cody Beals? Yeah, like, I, I raised those two guys like so much in the last. They're both Canadian. Yeah. So I'm sure sure you guys all race in a, in a circuit or yeah. have been seen each other show up at, at local races. So yeah, what is that like? Like, because you know the media portrays Lionel as this beast, yeah. right? Which he is. <laughs> Which he is. Um, I don't know if you saw his video this morning though that he put yeah. out. Yeah. Um, seems like he was a little light, lightweight, and I think he's been eating plant based. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I have seen signs of it from his, the cookbook that he's using. Yeah, and he's eating like 10 pages and stuff. Yeah, you're yeah, right. That's cool. Actually, we I reached out to him and said, hey, you got to buy our cookbook. You got to <laughs> check this thing out. And then Cody, who was, this is his first um, Iron, Iron Man, Man too. Yeah. But it sounds like he had a, a, an amazing race. So so you knew you knew who the players were yeah. for the race yesterday. Yeah, they're both like super great uh, athletes and they're both super different on the way they, they train and race. I feel like Sanders really races with, with his art and he trains also with his art. Like he's super, he's going to be super aggressive. And like when you see him screaming while <laughs> biking on the trainer and like all these crazy workouts he does. And sometimes he, he misses. Like sometimes he, he's got a big, maybe a bit ego and like he knows what he needs to do. And... His goal was like, I need to be as fit as possible, as in as possible, and maybe it didn't work out. But he could have done like a sub eight, maybe if it didn't work out. So I think 
that's what I, I like about him. Like at, at Kono, he just went all in and and he got past at the last 5K, but he was was there to, mm -hmm. to fight. And like, I never saw someone like hurt that much on, on a race. And that's what I, I like about him. Like he goes 110%, even though a lot of time he's winning, but a lot of, a lot of time he's just going to go all in. And, and that shows the respect he has for his competitors and for the race. And Cody, it's, it's a lot more like, uh, maybe he thinks a little bit more about his training. He's super like, I feel like super methodical. So, and the way he thinks about his equipment and stuff like that. So every time I have a question before I race, I'm like, okay, should I use uh, those, uh, those wheels or those, which width of, uh, of tires should I use? I always talk to him because he knows so much stuff. Like, I think he has a background in, uh, like, engineer. I was going to say yeah. engineering because yeah. those guys know, they know their numbers. They yeah. know their they stuff. They like spreadsheets and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. so I knew, like, he was going to dial in everything like his nutrition like everything was super calculated uh, like his aero position is i don't think there's that many people who have a better position as him and uh, everything is super like perfect that's why i think his preparation must have been like really great for the last two months because it was like the plan was there and it just executed and that's what he did uh, on the day and i was super happy for him because i've raced with him like so many times and like like everyone he had some uh, some disappointing races I think last last fall and then he went back by winning like a race in China or Asia uh, in spring and then had a few great races and then like, like you said I think before the race it's a big commitment to to go from 70.3 to Ironman and he didn't race for like almost 3 months just to prepare for this race and when you're making a living from the sport to not not race for 3 months to prepare so you're not getting any money from anyone that's a big commitment but like now he got he got the big payday and like he got the the race he was hoping for or maybe he didn't believe he could actually do that but like 810 fast uh run course uh, well record record Re of yeah. everything and even on the bike he had the record so that's just an amazing uh performance so d when you see stuff like that when you see athletes like lionel and cody do you can you take stuff from them? Do you, to make your stew, to make your sauce of how you prepare, do you take things from them, bits and pieces? Or do you sort of like shut that out? And like, no, I think, I think it's good to take stuff from everyone. Or also I like to take stuff from different sports too, because I think we can learn from every athlete, whatever sport it is. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like with the, with the Brownie brothers, before we thought they were like unbeatable. So everyone was like, well, we're going to fight for third place. And then... There's Cody Bills who's like, well, in the same thing with Sanders. Like every time he's on the start line, people are usually thinking about second place and third place. But Cody Bills is just like, okay, I'm going to do my own race and maybe I'm going to beat him. And it shows that everyone is beatable. And I felt like I was maybe connecting more to Cody Bills. Like I feel like I was maybe closer in my uh, ability to him than to Sanders because I always see him as like a... Like a machine, like someone you you can't beat. So when you see Cody Bills, who's super young athlete starting in the sport in while well, in Ironman, who's able to to beat uh, big names like Sanders and Matt Russell, it shows that I can do it one day. You know. Yeah. So you just need that little bit of belief. Like yeah. you have belief, but you like to see signs. Like athletes, we like to see signs. We like to see a workout session that was completed 
and we get to see like our watts, like, okay, I, I've done that. Or I've yeah. gone to a race and I've placed, like I can compete with these guys. We all need to see that stuff. But a lot of times in, in all of your training and, and athletes training leading up, it's, it takes a little bit of faith, right? Yeah. It takes a little bit of faith. And I think we were talking about it before with Eric Lagerstrom, how he just, he did one run or two runs yeah. actually off the Alter G and went out and run, ran, uh, one Lake Stevens. Yeah. So it just shows like you got to have some faith and belief in yourself. Like you're not always going to see the signs, but you just have to be dialed into like your own power, your own authentic swing is the, is the new thing I, I, yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about. Um, but it's your own, it's your own version of something. And, and, and when I've been thinking about racing myself, uh, being a create creative person uh, in web design and, and just with, you know, the whole creative space, I'm starting to feel like races are my create, my creation. Yeah. Like I start it with the swim and it may go this way or it may go that way. So it's like you're doing a painting like, and it's all personal to you. Do you feel, do you feel you have this, well, we just talked about it, your belief, but do you have this drive inside that knows that you belong at the top or like, what do you feel? Like, what is it? What is the knowing inside? Yeah, I, I think so. That's why like maybe like the first, first few race, I, well, my first pro race year, I was like leading on the swim and like until like maybe I think it was 30 or 40k on the bike. You know, I was thinking like, well, I can race with them, compete with them for a podium, no matter what level I am. And so from the get go, even though my fitness level was subpar from like all these other great athletes, I was still thinking about like, maybe it's naivety, but in a way it's also in a way that it's a belief that I can compete at that, at that level. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't go well because I'm, thinking I can stay with Yonel for, for the bike, which is sometimes a wrong idea, but sometimes it, it pays off. Like like today I was able to, to do the race. I was, I never dreamt of, of doing it probably. So I think it's, it's part of like believing yourself and it's part of naivety that you can do something that I haven't been able to do in training or ever, you know? It's like, cause the goal was like for the Watts, I, I don't really like to look at my watch. I'm not like a super uh, analytical guy, but like the goal was to do maybe 260 uh, normalized power. And for the first part until like maybe 50, 60 K, I was like 310 normalized power. So I was like, and I was taking on my coach, my ear, my ear, like maybe it's too fast. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that's true. And, so, and I think I finished at like 290 normalized power, which is a lot more than what I was planning to. And so sometimes it's like, you never know what's gonna happen. And, but it's always good to not care about, about, about those numbers, you know? Yeah, they're just number. Like yeah. when, you, when it comes down to it, it's just a number. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't say like uh -huh. what's inside and doesn't, it doesn't take in your, your, your fitness, your, the community, the energy of the, yeah. like, just all of these factors are much more than a number. So yeah. I think it's, it's good to use as a, you know, use as another data point. Yeah. Um, and you can learn about yourself after that, you know, it's like, then after I know what are my numbers now, so I can train with those, with those numbers. But like, it's weird. Cause like I've done like super long training, wards, uh, training workouts and 
there's no way I could have done like uh, even three hours at 290, you know? But then because it's race day and because there's like competitors and spectators and I'm racing at home, now I'm able to do it. That's like, you know, that's why you don't need to, you don't think about what's your, what are your param parameters? What are your, your trainings or what training peaks or what the uh, negative split cycling, all the stuff that are telling you, okay, you're supposed to do 445, you know, because that's your numbers you've been doing on training. But even though that's what you're supposed to do, you can always go faster than that because that's when you start like racing with your art yeah, and just not care about all those, those stuff. Because like if we were racing with all those numbers, it's like we already know who's going to win, you know? It's like, we don't need to race. It's like, okay, he's uh, two minutes slower on the bike, he's five minutes faster on the run, and he's two minutes uh, faster on the run. So he's so winning. We don't need to race. Oh, yeah. So just, it's done. Just give him the medal or whatever. This is why, like, I used to, to race uh, cross-country skiing. And cross-country, it's not like running. Running, we always look at our, at our, our time. And biking, we always look at our power meter. But skiing is just, you ski, until like you puke at the finish line, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no data at all. And it's, that's what I miss about like cross country skiing is just cause like, there's no limitation that you put yourself to, you know, it's like, I can beat that guy cause I don't know his number, but just because I know that Sanders number is maybe 350 Watts, I'm not gonna try to follow him. So I think sometimes it's just good to stop caring about all those. Well, that stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's especially no, on racing day. Like yes. Sebastian Kili doesn't. I think maybe he uses that power meter for his coach to analyze after, but he doesn't look at his watts at all during during race because it's a race. It's not. It's not a time trial. It's not a training. It's not a test. It's it's a race. So, this is it. This yeah. is this is the day. This is yeah. what you've been training for. So why not give everything you yeah. have on training day? That's why you prepare. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a guy I really like to to follow is uh, Jim Wozniak. Is that ultra runner? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He won and the uh, he won Western, Western States. States. Yeah. yeah. And the first two times, like the first time, he actually, I think the first time he actually got lost, but he had like maybe a one hour or two hour lead on the other competitors. He was setting a course record and the other time he also had like a crazy lead and he blew out and then he goes and he, he win. And he's like, after the race, after the first time he blew out, he was, well, you don't remember the, the miss from like... Uh, the baseball players, you only miss, you only remember the, the home run, you know? So it's like, right. he doesn't care, like, you're gonna miss a lot of time, but if you're able to do a big home run, that's what really matters, you know? So sometimes you just need to, to go, maybe you're gonna miss, but maybe you're gonna have a home run, man. Well, that comes from, that comes from fear of failure, right? It comes from, it comes from being scared that you may not accomplish your goal and, and then thinking about what everybody else is gonna yeah. look at you. Right, they're gonna they're gonna look at you and say, well, well, no, he can't do that. He can't. Yeah. He didn't do it last time. So it's that knowing inside that keep going. Like Jim Walmsley just ke keeps going. Yeah. He just keeps going and going and going. And he's quite. He he goes after his races. Yeah, yeah there's no holding back. So he. He makes that switch of, of not, worrying about failure, yeah. right? And and it sounds like you did the same thing on race day not worrying about going too hard on the you were committed just go on the bike and we'll deal with the run when we get to the run yeah yeah and i think it's a it's a, it's a confidence thing but it's also a belief in your a big strong belief in yourself yeah 
I always thought it was more like maybe being stupid or being naive. But <laughs> we can look at it. Different. There's part of it. Maybe like 90% is being naive and stuff, but there's at least like a 10, 20% that's big belief that I can do it like and have a good race. Yeah. But it was like after after the Ironman last year, it was super hard. Like, you know, you start doubt, doubting yourself that you can't finish an Ironman. And with all like, so all the winter, it was like, for sure it was motivating because like when you have a bad race, you're like, you're stoked about training and getting faster. But you're still like, disappointing about your race and you start sometimes doubting yourself and with all the summer i had like i crashed my first race injured my hip and all summer i was injured with my hip couldn't run like i was running i was still running maybe 90 100k per, per week but i had crazy pain that after the run even though i did like a 30k run i was limping just to get to my car and stuff like that so after all like that summer to finally be able to to have a good race, it's so much like doesn't get any better for your belief in yourself. Because yeah, sometimes you start doubting yourself when you have like low patches, and it's like in racing you have lots of low patches, but in life also sometimes you have like dark moment when you everything is going bad, and you're like, I was thinking like maybe I'm not done, I'm not maybe triathlon is not for me, you know, or maybe like sport is not for me. So even like to to race before the race, I was like. Well, maybe I should give open water swimming a try. You know, there's no impact. I can't get injured. Or maybe like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm not fit for that. I'm not good enough. And even the, the week before the race, like, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to race. And you, you need to, to stop thinking about, about it. That's when I, like, the Wednesday before the race, as I did like just a 20-minute run in the treadmill. And my pain like, level was like 8 out of 10. And was super painful, and, and then I tried to bike, and it was even painful on the bike, which never happened before. So I called like my doctor, I called my coach, I was like, "How can I do that?" And my coach was like, "Well, call me, call me tomorrow. Let's see how it goes." So that was the the, the Wednesday, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll just go day by day, and in the race, you just go kilometer by kilometer, or if it's a kilometer is too long, you just go step by step, and. You, you do this thing. There's no point in like worrying about whether I'm able to do it or not. Right. You just do it. So that's yeah. just wasted energy. That's just wasted energy. Yeah. So this is, this is so important and it's really good for our athletes out there to, to understand it's, it's not an all or nothing thing. Like you take one day at a time. Okay. You have some sensation in your hip. You have some sensation when you're running and biking. Okay. Then Thursday comes. Okay. Some sensation Friday comes. Saturday, you go and Friday, you register Saturday, you drop off. The, like you just keep taking yeah. the next step. Sunday, you show up, you do the swim, see how you feel on the swim, get out of the swim and get to the bike. Now you're on the bike. See how you feel on the bike, right? It's not, you're not going to make the decision on Wednesday that you're not going to race Ironman yeah. because what happens if Friday or Saturday you begin to feel great. So that's, and we've talked about this when we were on your, your podcast, yeah. it's that present moment awareness. It's, it's, bringing all of your faculties, all of your energy to, 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 your, to the moment because that's truly the only thing that exists. So if you're worried about the future, right? Worrying about the Ironman or you're looking to the past of like that crash I had or the terrible winter I had when yeah. I didn't, I, I probably was at my lowest. Like you can't worry about those things because they're just taking this energy away from you. We want to give 100% of ourself, yeah. our focus and awareness to the moment. So it's important for athletes out there to just keep taking the next step, right? And then when you take the next step, 
and you have questions, ask the question, get an answer, and then move on. Don't dwell in the what ifs, right? Yeah. So you acted, you called your coach, you called your doctor, right? Stop, wor- stop worrying, yeah. act, right? Act. So now you talk to your doctor, great. Now you talk to your coach, okay, now we just go to tomorrow. And I think that grounding and, and present moment focus is, is missing, is missing in the sports world. I think there's a lot of going into the future and the what ifs and the fear of failure. And we can do a lot better in our performances, I believe, if we just kept coming back to the moment. My mantra yesterday and the last Ironman was focus, focus and flow. So every time my awareness would shift, I'd come back to just focus. And I'd get dialed in on, especially on the bike, I'd get dialed in on the road about four or five feet in front of me and then lift my head. Like, stay focused. And then flow is flow. So stop trying to, stop trying to... Think about too much stuff. Yes. Like, there's a group of people drafting up there. Okay, how am I going to handle this? Don't worry about that. You just keep biking. Then when you approach them, you make the decision. You go around them or you back off. Like, you just make the decision in the moment. And, And I felt like my energy coming back. Because it was just sucking, sucking the life out of me. And the longer the race, the harder it is to, to be focused because you're, you're racing for like eight, nine hours or more. Right. So it's like before I was doing like IT racing, it's like you're, there's like 30 people around you. There's like a chance of crashing like happening all the time. So of course you're going to be in the, in the now, in the moment because you need to be there. But like when you're on the bike, you're like at 120K. There's not that much stuff happening. You're, you're there. You've already been riding for like two or more hours. Like, so what, it's easy to start thinking about all this stuff. Like what I'm going to eat after that? Or like, just like worrying about stuff too. Like worrying about your watts, worrying about how you're feeling, about your competitors or about so much stuff and a lot of stuff that you can control too. So, so how do you, how do you practice present moment awareness? How do you, how do you ground yourself in the moment or how do you practice working on moving away from all those distractions and bringing it to the now how do you personally do yeah, that? yeah i try to practice practices during the trainings so like it's my first real ironman so i'm not used to do all those uh, really long runs and stuff like that so one of my tips I, I used to do is on the run if i have like maybe a 35k run it's hard to motivate yourself to go to run uh, 35k right so I was thinking, taking split at any, at each 10 kilometers. So I was only thinking about the next few kilometers to hit the 10 key marks. And then I was looking at my, my split. I was like, okay, that's a good split. Now the next 10 kilometers. And sometime when I was having a bad day, I was looking at every five kilometers or, or less. So I think you need, really need to divide the, the time and just thinking about the next few steps, especially like when you have like a two loops course, like here, when you're, not even done on your first lap and you're hurting, it's so hard to to tell yourself that, okay, I can still do another lap. And at like maybe 15K, I was already hurting a lot. And I was like, there's no way I can continue at that pace. But you're just like, well, I know my friend is there in like two kilometers. I'm gonna see him, he's gonna <laughs> cheer me up. And there's a, there, now there's a downhill after that, so I can rest a little bit. And then there's the one hill, but there's another guy I know down there. And stuff like that. And then, then there was the aid station with the Coke. And then I know I'm going to get the Coke. Or just tiny stuff like that. And I feel like the order the race goes, the tiny steps. Like, I make tiny 
ob- objective, like tiny goals. So, so as the race the goes on, it's small, smaller and smaller, smaller goals. And smaller and smaller, yeah. Yeah. Like even like at 41K, I was hurting so much. Like, oh, that's before the big hill. Yeah, like I was like, okay, that's the last time I'm gonna do that hill. So I'm gonna go all in. So I was like running and screaming like, uh, and then I'm like, okay, now I can enjoy the downhill even though my quads were burning. And then, okay, that's the last time I'm gonna uh, climb the hill to the, to the hotel. And then it's done. Then it's done. You're then on the, the cobblestones. Then the spectators are gonna just carry me to, to the finish. So <laughs> you just go. So like maybe at the beginning of the race, I'm feeling great. So I'm just gonna have like goals that are like 10 kilometers long. But as, as the race goes uh, longer, it's goals that are like maybe 100 meter, then 50 meter, because you're eating so much that it's hard to think about doing 100 meter of running. So you're just thinking about 50 meters of running. And when 50 meters start being too hard, you just think about the next step. So like, okay, next step, I won't, won't walk. I just do another step of running. And like, I was just thinking, don't walk, never walk. So I didn't care about my, my pace because then my only goal was not walking on the hill and the run, uh, the downhill was like easy part. Did you so, walk at all? Well, to do a 258, you probably didn't walk at all in the, in the aid stations either. No, the only one time I had to pee. Because <laughs> on the bike, <laughs> on the bike, which is a good sign, I was like happy with myself because usually I'm super dehydrated. I don't drink enough and don't eat enough. And that's the first time that on the bike, my nutrition strategy was pretty much perfect. So on the bike, just before eating Duplessis, on the second lap, I was like, oh, I really need to pee. So I was, I was happy, but I still think, am I able to pee on the bike? Yeah. So I was trying, I wasn't able to. <laughs> and I really try on the, on, the, on the run, I was trying to be like super zen and everything. And it started, like, I almost felt like it was gonna start, but it didn't happen, so I just stopped. You need to practice that. Yeah, that's something mind. I need to do. Maybe not on my treadmill, because that would be a Yeah, don't do it on the treadmill. <laughs> and maybe not when there's too many pe- people around, but that's something I think I need to start. Yeah, that's a skill. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the standard is at least pee at least two times on the bike. Okay, would yeah. be good. Um, I definitely got two pees in on okay. the bike. Just I dropped my left leg down. So I'm standing on the, on the pedal on the downhill yeah. and uh, just let it leash, unleash. And my shoe is, shoe is soaked. But, uh, but I've stopped stopping at the Porta Johns um, because, because I can do it on the run too. Yeah. Like I just got to relax. So yeah, getting Zen, that's all it is. It's just like getting oh, yeah. relaxed, but still moving forward. And then one time I stopped at an aid station to pour water on my head and I'm like, I'm just going to go right here. So I just went mm. right there standing in my suit and just, flushed out so i was actually really hydrated so did you go to the bathroom you went to the bathroom once on the once and i saw my pee was like orange or like even darker oh, yeah. like, okay. you need some at least i peed which is where That's like good. i never yeah. peed usually yeah so at least it's better than nothing like at least it's not like black like coffee so it's really a good <laughs> step so i knew that my like it's really hard to to drink enough on a run like the the cups are so tiny and sometimes like there was one institution to give me like a tiny bottle. I was so happy. Like I was like, Oh yeah. The, the actual bottle of water. Yeah. 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 yeah that was good. I, I got, I think there was one aid station where I got two or three cups and it was like half an inch of water. in yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. But then the Coke was filled up to the top and I'm like, I don't need that much Coke. And then I looked in the trash and there were like tons of Cokes in there that were still filled or Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, it's like with Fredino, I think in Kona, I think the oh, the commentary huge. gave like a two liter of yeah. Coke. Yeah. So I guess when you're, when you're Sanders or Ferdinand, you can, you can do that now. 
Not when you're Canadian fourth place finisher. No. <laughs> um, all right, we've been talking a lot about a lot about the race. Let's talk about, a little about nutrition. So you're you're plant based. Yeah. Uh, you've been plant based for how long? I think now it's gonna be five years and uh, no meat for eight or nine years. Yeah. Okay. And how did you make that transition? Like, uh, was there a specific event? So like eight or nine years, I was like uh, getting ready for. I woke up at ITU race, which is the big biggest race I've done in ITU. So that was like, I had nothing to do. I was in my hotel and just looking at t- Twitter. And a friend of mine just posted a video, like a 30 seconds video on Twitter about like animal cruelty. And I just looked like a few seconds of it. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna stop uh, eating meat, which is weird. Cause like, usually we see, it's not the first time, that, probably not the first time that I saw videos showing animals being killed or stuff like that. Or I knew that like the, the poultry I was eating or the beef I was eating was an animal before, but like sometimes you just, you just need something to you see and you click. And sometimes maybe there, were, there was a seed that was planted in my mind. Like I, I think I read Scott Jurek book before and uh, Funding Ultra from Rich World before. So maybe the seed was already planted. And then when I saw the video, I was like, yeah, I'm done. So I start, stopped eating like thing with legs. So like uh, beef and, uh, and pigs. But I was still eating uh, fish for a while, so I was like biscuit in for a while. Uh, but then I saw a conspiracy. I think in the video they show, they also show like how they kill the tuna. And the tuna are like so huge, they're almost like the size of a human. And where there's like so many blood, so much blood. Because a lot of the time you think like, oh, fishing is lovely sport that you do. It's, but like the, the fish is like looking for air like on the boat and he's crying and everything. Like they still have like emotion, like other animals, but also the fact that I saw the blood and like made me realize like it's not different than a pig, it's not different than a beef. And in a way it's not different than our, than our dog or than ours, you know, it's an animal, it's a human being. So, and Cowspiracy was like huge movie for me. Like the environmental aspect was, was huge. So like the first reason was uh, ethical, but then environmental like took the biggest part I think. When I learned about this, cause that was relatively new when they they showed the movie for the first time and like no newspaper were talking about it or if then like the media was not like really big on it and then after that like all the all the newspaper everywhere were talking about it and that was huge for veganism in general because a lot of people like maybe uh, don't care that much about the animal but they care a lot about the planet they care about the forest everything so if you have you've got the something you, you care about it doesn't matter like if you're you're doing it for the health or for the, the planet or for yourself. It just matters that you, you made the, the choice of like killing less animals. So yeah, the movie Cosperacy was, was big for me. So it's been eight years? Eight years now? Eight years of like no no okay. meat, yeah. And how long have you been doing triathlon? Eight years? I think eight years. Okay. So maybe yeah, maybe like uh maybe six years then stop eating meat but four years four or five years for being vegan yeah okay and you feel fine of course yeah <laughs> of course like the first first few times like <laughs> I'll, i always time i always make this, this like my health my like my big decision before i race like the 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 day i decided to go vegan was uh, only a few days before uh, going to to a race uh, timberman and then oh we I, love that race yeah, that was really a good nice, race yeah. 
I didn't know what to eat because like it was my first time being vegan. I decided like the day before the race or like a few days before the race what I'm gonna eat. So like sitting at the dinner and there's there's like Rachel Joyce who's eating like big omelette with eggs. I'm like, what am I gonna eat? So just like, can you do that without the eggs or like can you just do a sandwich without just vegetables? And like, I guess we can. So like, okay, it's not that complicated. And then now it's like there's so many so much information about what to do. But I feel like even just four or five years ago, it was a lot different. And like, I can't believe like someone was vegan or plant-based like six years ago or longer than that. That's just, it's completely like, there's so much more information, but also so much more new food that are vegan, which is, which is great. Like, but which it's is great, but there's also a lot of junk food, vegan. Absolutely. Food, yeah. There's junk food. <laughs> there's so much. But I think, I think the, I think it comes from confusion. So when you talk about, plant-based options in the grand scheme of things you just need to eat like eat like you're poor like yeah. beans rice and vegetables i think what's happened is just all this media coverage and of the next great diet or the keto diet or whatever it is it's causing confusion for a lot of people and if we had just stuck with the basics right just basics yeah. you instinctually knew can you just have vegetables on a piece of bread like yeah. that's didn't harm anything and i think i think it's important that you've to understand that you've navigated your way like you you had that spark right you had the spark from from watching the movie but then you navigated your way you probably asked around well what what, what did you do so how did you how did you find the foods for both your daily life and for for training actually uh, before I saw the movie, or it's all like in my mind, but I tried to go vegan like a few months before that. And I think it went like, I didn't know what to do. And I was starting to do like, uh, maybe I was going like overboard, like just trying to eat as raw as possible. Or like I try, I remember one time I tried to do like, a, it was a vegan tofu feta and it really tasted, tasted bad. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not, not going well for my like because I wasn't eating that much because I didn't know what to eat and then like uh, I'm just gonna go back to being like vegetarian and still eat uh, stuff but then when I started, actually saw the movie that's when I was like okay I need to figure this thing out I need to take action find recipes and there are like so many so much recipes like mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of like minimalist baker on internet which baker, is, like, yeah yeah super simple recipe like a few ingredients and it's almost like similar to like the now moment, like in a race, it's like the now moment in your, in your diet is like, well, my next meal is my breakfast. So I'm going to figure out my breakfast and that thing about my supper run off. Like for the first thing I was like, okay, well, breakfast is pretty, pretty simple. Like I'll pretty much already eat vegan uh, for breakfast. Either it's like cereals with uh, soya milk or toast, like just bread or oatmeal like I feel like if someone wants to start being vegan just start with the, start with the breakfast and then go your way to the to the supper which is for some people maybe a bit more complicated or sometimes you're like eating with family so it's like oh I need to explain <laughs> during all the supper why I'm vegan and stuff like that but like start with the supper start with the breakfast then add the, the snacks which are super easy like just vegetables fruit hummus avocado and then start with the uh, continue with the dinner which is also a lot easier because we usually eat on the go 
eat at your work, at your university. So it's just easy to, to bring a sandwich, bring a salad, bring quinoa salad and stuff like that. And then when you're getting used to it, go, go to the supper and maybe your, your family is having like a big salad with a oven baked potato and, uh, and chicken and just switch the chicken for some beans with uh, guacamole or other stuff like that. So you just switch the, the protein. So you're just trying to find simple solution. Don't need to change everything and like, okay, I'm going vegan. So now all my family, all my friends need to go vegan right now because I've made that decision. So you just like, it's always about the simple decision that you can make. Yeah, I think the all it's the all or nothing, right? Yeah. It's, and what does that do? It sets you up for failure, like 99% of the time. We need to do, yeah, it's just make small changes and, and just be be aware of the foods that you're eating. Like just look at the foods, the array of foods that you're eating. And also it's the awareness of how do you feel? Yeah. Like are these, are these foods that you're eating, do you, like can you even like feel how this food is entering your entering your body because what you eat becomes you, Yeah. right? So all this good stuff is inside or the stuff that you've been eating and you've always felt bad, will it start start to question like what you're putting in your body. And I think for athletes, it's it's a, it's especially challenging navigating the high performance because you guys are balancing like countless hours of training and burning calories after calories and, and finding the right solution because there is no, no like one book of like this is what triathlete yeah, no. should eat. Although we do have the Yogi Triathlete Cookbook, <laughs> high vibe recipes for the athlete appetite. Which gets you started. So, um, so you get that question a lot. So you're in the in the realm of the pro- professional triathlon world. Like, do you get any inquiries? Are, pe- are people curious about what you're eating? Because obviously, you're wearing a shirt that says this is what this is. Yeah, what. decided to, to wear it on the on the. On the this is what a big empowered like, athlete like looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of course, like there's always a question about like protein, iron, or all those stuff. Like maybe like also like coaches or just training partners. But after a while, like, especially like I'm studying nutrition, I have some knowledge about nutrition and I started going, like my training are going well. Like my coach is happy if my training are going well, right? So it's like, well, it's going well, it's training well, it's feeling good. Uh, and then when I'm training with other people and like I'm smashing the, the workouts, like going fast on the hills or anything, they see that it's working. So they're not gonna, they're not gonna doubt that the diet isn't working. And then actually it's the opposite because I don't talk that much about like being vegan with other people, but usually they know. So they're like, oh, you're going very well. <laughs> like you're doing like, you're crushing these uh, six hours right and stuff like that. Like, what are you eating actually like in the morning? Like, cause I've, I've been thinking of going vegan, but I don't know, it looks so complicated. And then I just say like simply, well, I just eat like, like, just a normal breakfast, oatmeal with like almond butter and banana. It's, it's not that complicated. And then I, I just talk about like what I eat during the, the training rides or dinner. I just give like just simple recipes and stuff like that. So they get, I'm not talking about, oh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're eating meat, you're killing animals, you know? So I'm just thinking, talking about the positive aspect of like what I'm doing. And it's, it's I feel like it sticks a lot better with the people when they make their own decision, right? Absolutely. So if yeah. the people see that you're vegan and you're go competing and you're doing well, 
Then you're gonna ask a question, start getting interested, or maybe you're just planting a seed in someone's head, like, like maybe the, a few books that I read did. So like maybe like when I was on podium, uh, they saw, oh, this is what a vegan looks like. You mean they're not gonna go vegan right away, but they're like, oh, he's still able to compete, he's not, uh, he's still have muscle, <laughs> he's still able to do an Ironman. He's not weak, he's yeah. not like falling off the podium. He's not dead. <laughs> Why, I thought you had to eat uh, beef to survive. <laughs> so maybe there's a tiny seed that was planted and then he's gonna start reading about it, watch Conspiracy or other movie like that. And then he's gonna start to make a switch. And I don't think you need to make, make a big switch and like go cold turkey. Like I did, I went like almost like one animal at the time, you know? So, or you can go either like start cutting a few few meats or you can just start eating more plants and then the plants start crowding out the plate. So there's a, a nice podcast I like, it's a TFF Lifestyle. I don't know if you know No, that. I don't. It's a tough for food lifestyle. There are two guys from Boulder and they, they created this like community around their podcast and everything and they're their logo is just more it's eat plants do epic shit and it's just they're not talking they're not like stop eating meat and do cool stuff it's just eat more plants we don't care if you still eat uh, fish on the friday you still you're eating lots of plants you're just every, every time you decide to not take the the steak option in the restaurant and take the salad or the other stuff it's a good it's a good thing for the, the planet, for the animals. So it doesn't matter if you're 90% vegan, 80% vegan, or if you're just doing meat, uh, Meatless Friday right now, you're, you're doing something great. I feel like a lot of people try to accuse someone when they, they tr they're like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to go uh, vegan, but now I'm just vegetarian. And then the vegan is gonna be like, well, you know that, uh, Cow's milk is really bad, and that fish is gonna, uh, and that uh, cheese is gonna kill you. So that then so the person is gonna yeah. turn back to being a meat eater, not even a vegetarian, because they're like, well, I don't want to hang with those <laughs> angry vegans. Right. So I think you just need to like, I try to keep like a positive aspect of it, and keep it as simple as possible. Like when I often do like nutrition conferences about like triathlon and nutrition and veganism, and a lot of people are like. Oh, I thought it was going to be a lot more complicated than that. They're almost like disappointed. Like there's no, uh, some magical recipe or magical supplement <laughs> that I take that makes me go, that, ma that makes me uh, super fit. It's just, no, I eat pretty much like you, but instead of eating chicken, I eat beans. And my, my uh, breakfast and my dinner, pretty much the same as you do, you know? So I think we always look forward to the special, like the thing that's going to, and a special recipe, you know, it's like all the, the, the magic pill, magic pill. Yeah. Like you lose 10 pounds and go right. 10 watts faster. <laughs> right. There is no such thing. Is, yeah? And I think the plant-based is it, like eating a lot of veggies isn't really sexy. You know, it's not like you, I think it is, but, yeah. but for the majority of people, it's, it's tough to comprehend that. And they want, they want the complication. They almost want it to be complicated so that they set themselves up for not following it. Right. It's if it's too like, simple, you know, there's all that marketing about the gut milk, like gut, gut yeah. milk. Yeah. But it's like broccoli or asparagus. Don't have that all that money for, for marketing. You know, they could do the same thing with like gut broccoli, right? Like, and so people like, will try to <laughs> eat more eat broccoli, broccoli and make it super cool. <laughs> but like, all those big companies, like big meat companies or the big milk companies, 
you have so much money that you can try to influence the people, but like, we're eating super simple stuff, stuff that any people with how much money you have, you can still eat. So because it's cheap food, there's not money for marketing. So I guess it's, that was make, makes it hard for people to, to be convinced that's the right decision because they're not brainwashed by uh, the broccoli uh, industry, you know? <laughs> right. But again, it's like, it's like tap into how you feel, like start eating broccoli. Like, oh, yeah. like just start with, start with some stuff and question. I, I even question now, like maybe I'm having too much broccoli. Like it's always good to like continually question what you're doing and then how you feel. But I think like related to that, I think yeah. we don't need to be 100% perfect, you know? I think we always try right. to be perfect. And like, like the first time I tried to, to go vegan and it didn't work out, I was trying to be perfect. And like eat like has like the best Instagram type of vegan diet. You know what we see on Instagram is like, oh, well, my oatmeal doesn't look as good as them. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Or so I should just go back to eating uh, eggs and bacon. Or I would try to go do everything like just so perfectly. And that's when we go back to our old habits. So, we, and especially like we talk about, we're talking about, uh, you know, centers who's maybe switched to a more plant-based diet or completely plant-based diet. And it's also important to remember that you're an athlete. You need, you need fuel too, right? Yeah, so, so okay, he, it's okay to do eat uh, eat bread, eat rice, eat potato. You know that's all good food. You need fuel. You need carbs. You know, so I think you, we forget that uh, vegan diets are not just kale and broccoli. You know, right? And and he said that we were talking about his video, like yeah. his video released like nine hours after <laughs> the race. It's already up by Talbot. I think Talbot just never sleeps. <laughs> yeah, he's just constantly going. Um, but he, ta- he talked about that. So don't look at it at face value. Like, yeah, he, he's using a plant-based diet. Yes, he came in second yesterday. Yes, he pushed the lowest watts he's ever pushed. But you got to look at the full picture. You got to look at his personality. Like, he's a person who tries things. He's, he's trying to fail so that he can find the holes to make him a, a stronger athlete. And with that comes a little obsession with food for the past eight weeks. He talks about it and how he cut out carbs maybe and wanted to get down to a, a fighting weight. And so just don't look at it as plant-based. Like you got to look at each individual unique experience yeah. um, as its own. Yeah, and I was disappointed because I saw a lot of comments on like on YouTube or also on the Facebook Live. Oh, I haven't even I, seen the comments yet. Uh, it's always a bad idea to look at. On YouTube especially, <laughs> yeah. But like a lot of people were like, oh, why did he change his diet? He needs meat or, or stuff like, uh, he did the same thing as Ferdinand. It didn't go well uh, for Ferdinand because he stopped eating meat. And stuff. And I, I'm like, that's not the point. It's not because, because of that. You know, it's not, it's not like position. It's just like. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, you just, you just can't look at, because, because the people that look at this who are already, skeptical yeah. of going to plant-based, they're going to see this and just say, yeah, 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 right, right. I shouldn't go to this, right? But but it it, it needs to be, and it all comes to, Antoine, it all comes back to like being mindful yeah. and being aware of what's going on. And I, and I, just to switch scenarios here, I was standing during that swim yesterday for an hour, right? We were all told that we had to wait an hour. And you just you could hear the conversations going on and the people resisting, resisting. Starting uh, complaining and like, Complaining uh, and, and thinking about cutoff times and, th- and 
people are scared. Like it, it, it yeah. they had expectations and then things changed. And so their, their mind started to go into the yeah. future. So even then becoming more mind, just be you, you're fit. Nothing changes. You're still doing an Ironman. And even if you're not, let's say they cancel the swim, you're still doing an event, yeah. right? You just take it next step by next step. And you need to, you need to be prepared for anything that could happen. Like I saw a thing on the Yogi Triathlete Facebook. I think Jesse wrote, uh, like, oh, it's delayed. Uh, do you think that BJ brought extra food? <laughs> like, like, of course, like, brought extra food, probably brought, brought like, extra jacket because he knows that if he, he's going to wait a, a more time, he needs to, to stay warm and just relax. So I think, like, you need to control what you can control. You can't control the uncontrollable, right? right? So if it's delayed, it's uncontrollable. You can't do anything about that. So you can't start, like, swearing and start, like, arguing with the officials. You just need, okay, it's one hour more. I can relax for one hour more and, and just see the positive in things. And, but at least you know it's a possibility. So you prepare yourself that, like, okay, I've got a few bars, a few more bars or a few... Uh, applesauce that I can eat before the race or and an extra jacket or just simple stuff like that that you can control because every time like before an Ironman I think we talk about it on my podcast so many people worries about the weather or the water temperature the wind like I was like who cares you're still yeah. gonna you're still gonna race did you train and prepare <laughs> for the race then you should be fine and if you didn't now you know what you need to do yeah. right it's pretty black back to simplicity it's pretty black and white um and i think that's where this this whole uh i was seeing posts about the the canceled swim i think it was not too long ago and yes yeah i had a friend doing the race yeah. and very very disappointed that they weren't notified beforehand but you got to realize these these races, they're not out to like get us. They're not out to like oh, give yeah. us a poor experience. They're out to do what's in the best interest of two to 3,000 people, right? They're, yeah. they're trying to deliver an experience and they're going to do the best they can in the safest environment possible. And like, uh, listen to your podcast with uh, Jim Vance, like uh, Ben Canute's uh, right. coach. And he talked about the uh, escape from Alcatraz where the, the swim was canceled. And we all know that Ben Canute is one of the best swimmers like in triathlon. So, any other people would think like, oh, Ben Canute must be uh, so disappointed that there's no swim. He's, he's going to be sad and like, oh, his race is, uh, is ruined because of that. Well, he doesn't care. He's just like, he's racing and like, and maybe in a way like, that's why I need to, to know that I can be better mentally because if the swim was canceled, of course I would have been like disappointed because I know swimming is, swimming is my strength. But now I also know that I can run a sub three hours marathon, which I never knew I could. So like, okay, I'm not that bad of a runner. I can still have a good race, even though it's a duathlon or even though there was no swim. So I think that's why you can always be better and more stronger mentally. That's why it's like your brain is a muscle. You need, you need to work, right, work it out, right? Right, right. And, and every experience, it's an opportunity to, to work it out. So like if the, the swim was canceled, I was like, well, next time it's going to be canceled, I will be really prepared because I know I've done it before. So it won't be something new. Right. Treat it, as, and you said it before, treat it as an opportunity. Yeah. Like treat, treat these experiences as opportunities to fine tune who, like how your relationship is to all this, to the sport that you love, right? So people are doing this sport. 
why do they feel wronged when something's taken away from them, right? It's it's do the do the work because you you love to do the work, and then you get to celebrate on race day, whatever that day looks like. It may not have a swim, it may have a shortened bike, whatever. It doesn't matter. The thing is that you showed up on race day and you had your experience. And what we like to do is we like to judge it, right? We like to you have these expectations and we yeah. want to like judge it like this is the worst race ever, like. But no, just own it. Like this is what's, and this is an opportunity for me to learn how to do those things on a challenge. Also, day. like it's also related to perfection. You know, you always want to be perfect. So like, oh, I wanted my first Ironman to be an Ironman with a swim. So that's not gonna be a perfect Ironman. So why bother like racing at all? You know, or like as soon as you're 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 having a bad race on the bike, you're like, well, I'm not gonna have my perfect race. I'm not gonna have a perfect execution. My watch is not gonna be good. So like, why bother race if I'm gonna have like a 80% race, like just so far of my, my level. So I think we always want to, to have the perfect thing. Right. Perfect, perfect, perfect doesn't diet, exist. Perfect fitness, but no, it's like- Doesn't exist. Even like a preparation for an Ironman, it's never perfect, you know? Right. You're always gonna have like tiny niggles, tiny injuries, or maybe you're gonna be, have a cold a few, few weeks before the race. You're like, oh, I had a cold two, two weeks before the race. My preparation is ruined. Why? Why bother racing? You know. So, yeah, yeah. Like you're racing with your body, with what you're you've done. There's nothing else you can do. So yeah, that's all you were given. This is yeah. this is this is here's your plate. It's served yeah. right in front of you. This is what you have. Use what you got. Yeah, and I started uh, uh, reading the book uh, "The Obstacle Is the Way" from Ryan Holiday. Okay. It's like I haven't heard, I haven't read that yet. But you know Ryan Holiday? No. Uh, Ryan Holiday? No, he, he... One of his biggest books is like, Trust Me, I'm Lying. He's like, <laughs> he writes for a lot of magazines and books and he's like a best-seller author. And the book, uh, and he loves like stoicism. And I especially started running, uh, reading this book while I was injured to, to like motivate me and try to find some like uh, belief in myself because I was pretty down. And he just talks about like every obstacle... It's just an opportunity to, to grow, you know? And you need to s switch it, you know? So it's not just about like, oh, being uh, all positive and everything. It's just like you see your this obstacle as an opportunity to grow. Like when you're injured, well, I'm going to improve my swim and my biking and I'm going to become a lot stronger in those those sports like Eric Lagerson did, you know? Totally, yeah, that's a great example. So you need to switch it like, okay, the swim, the swimming cancel. That's my obstacle. How can I use that obstacle, but use it in a way that I can be better? So you're like, well, that's a good way. I'm going to run more than a marathon today. So that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> right. Just tiny stuff like that. Like, you yeah, need to find a way to make any situation as an opportunity to grow. And that makes you accept more the opportunities on your obstacles that you're facing because you know that you can learn from all of those, you know? And it starts, to, it starts to question your beliefs about yourself. It starts to, to shed some light onto the things that you always believe. Like, I can only do a swim bike and run. Or I can only, be, I can only have a good bike when, I, when I've been in a swim. Like, you just have yeah. these, like, stories about who you are. And you start to question yeah. that. You start to question that story and then you start to question more and then you start to wonder like who the hell am I yeah. right but in a way <laughs> I like 
I don't like when I'm questioning myself, but I like when other people are questioning myself, <laughs> you know? Like, before before the race, the commentator was like, oh, uh, you raced last year, you didn't finish. <laughs> you, were, you collapsed on the run. Then you raced 70.3 Tremblant, didn't finish also. So you're like, okay, that's nice. That's a good way to, to start my day. Like, a lot of people were like, all of my, a few friends were, they were pissed about the spectator to, to like, say something like that just before the race. Because a lot of people would be like, down just because of that they wouldn't affect them but for me i was like oh i'm gonna prove that i'm gonna finish this time you know and i'm gonna have a good race so i like i like when like people are dotting you because you, you've got you something to prove. yeah yeah so that's like maybe the obstacle is that people are downing you people are telling you you're not going to be able to do it because you haven't do it, done it before but i'm i'm using it as a way to perform i'm using it as a fuel to to have a good race because right. it's motivation i'm thinking about them i'm thinking about like maybe sometime like sometimes it's like just tiny stuff like uh i know that sometimes like a few you know before kona there's always like the contenders and like who who's gonna win but like there's always a few people that are not named you know but they're using it as fuel like i'm gonna show you that i can actually do it and win so i think you can use that energy as as fuel to to become better so what, what do you have on that? Let's talk about what's coming up. So you just finished Mount Tremblant. Um, it's August 20th. So you just finished an Ironman. What's, what's up for the rest of the season? Anything? Yeah, like we said, being in the now, like I didn't know if I was going to race. So I took it day by day. So my closest goal was Tremblant. So I didn't think about anything else because I didn't know if my ape was going to hold up at all. And now I'm barely able to walk but i can still walk right now so that's good so i know i can do another ironman i was thinking maybe uh Chattinga, which, which is uh september 3 which is a race I, I just love i love racing there it's a like small city the bike course is amazing like the community is cool but there's also uh kentucky like louisville a few, few where is weeks. that louisville where is that uh, oh louisville. louisville louisville yeah yes 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 yeah i've done that race yeah i think it's the same day of uh kona of kona it's kona saturday louisville yeah. sunday yeah so i'm thinking of maybe doing it doing that like uh either one of those i know i can drive there which is which is good because as a pro driving don't make that much money so if you can save a, a flight ticket ticket that's always a good thing and i i like to to race like maybe like smaller local races even though it's a, it's a big event like I think it's going to be a good opportunity to like build with that momentum. Like I've been able to break that, that uh, series of bad races and bad stuff happening. So now I'm trying to, to build from that and go like one step higher. So try to go on that momentum and it's probably going to be my last race after that of the season. Like two Ironmans in a few, like a few months is it's like pretty, many. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it's my first <laughs> Ironman I finished. Yeah. That's going to be a good way to finish the season. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Antoine. I think that's a good place to, to end it. Yeah. Um, thank you for doing this. Of course. It was course. great to meet you like in person because like, I've been following you guys for, for a while and like listening to your podcast. And with the podcast, like, I know you're in my ears, but like, I don't, don't see you. It's nice to, I know. to meet it's you. Good to, yeah. It's good to meet. I, I, was, I was brought out here for a reason. And one of those reasons was to, to have this podcast and this face-to-face with you because um, we've been following you too. And I think plant-based nutrition and endurance sports is just, 
it's really coming into the forefront. And, yeah. I, and I think you've got an opportunity as a, as a representative, whether you like it or not, to be up there doing what you're doing, as we discussed, doing what you're doing because you have the capabilities of doing it. Not because you're out there telling people they need to change to be yeah. plant-based. It's, it's you're just, just slowly planting seed. You know? Yeah, just slowly without, planting without seed. That yeah. much about it. Just watch, observe, and, and watch Antoine kick butt. <laughs> All right, thank you. Oh, if they want to follow you, where, where can they follow you online? Because uh, you've got a podcast too. Yeah, my podcast is uh, the JD Podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And on Instagram, it's uh, Antoine JD Try. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. Cool. Thank you, Antoine, and thank you, YT community, for tuning into today's episode. If you are picking up what we're putting out there, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the visibility of the show. We are on a mission to create a better world, and we do that through this pod by sharing stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose with the intention to realize that we are all subject to this human condition and we are never alone. Creating connection with like-minded people is what it's about. So if you are ready to take it up, people... There are so many ways to live the high vibe life. Come on retreat with us. Mary talked about this last week in our episode 120. You can also rock our new Boco trucker hat. One of our Awaken Ready teaser tanks. You can join the team. You can work with me on your mind skills. You can join the M21 revolution for $21 a month. You can go plant-based for one day this week and check out our cookbooks to help you do that. And there is more and more and more ways to live the high vibe life. So go to yogitriathlete.com for all the info and for links to connect with Antoine. Up level people, that's what it's about. And I can tell you that up leveling is not without intensity or the very slow, painful death of the ego. But with the proper skills, intensity smooths itself right into powerful living. So I ask you, are you willing to watch yourself a little closer and learn more about how you are truly moving through the world? Are you awake to the opportunities in your life or are you brushing them off as a bad day? Living powerfully, abundantly, and joyfully is the divine right of all, and that all includes you.